This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We have a lot to get to today. Talking wild here in a little bit. They go out with a whimper. Terrible performance in Game 6. They lose 5-1. to one, Outclassed in every phase of the game. Playoff series is over. Season is over. I will get into some of the reasons why here in just a minute. And speaking of outclassed, we got to talk about the Twins who got drubbed. Three straight games by the Astros, 21-3 to combined final score in that sweep. Maybe learned more about the Twins than we wanted to in that series, even though they are still in good shape in the standings, 18-14, and still looking okay in the overall division picture. Malika Andrews from ESPN will also join me for a discussion about the NBA, about her career, things of that nature. Really enjoyed that conversation with her, so I hope you enjoy that coming up a little bit later on the show as well. Minnesota United provided about the only good news with a finishing off a U.S. Open Cup win. We'll talk about that a little bit and more links. <clears throat> roster news some more churn on that roster it's been a eventful last week or so for them as they try to dig themselves out of an 0-3 hole but first what did I miss I'm not going to spend an exorbitant amount of time talking about the wild or the game from Thursday night just because I feel like uh, we've talked so much about their issues already it was the same stuff it was the same thing over and over again and, you know, that first goal of the game was kind of a microcosm of what has gone wrong in five-on-five -five play, right? They, they got lazy in the, defensive, <clears throat> in the defensive zone, let Nick Letty, former wild draft pick from forever ago, skate into the zone, five wild players watching him. There's five wild players surrounding him. It's one-on-five, essentially. He throws a puck on net, uses, you know, uses a defenseman as a screen, and it just kind of beats... Cam Talbot lazily <clears throat> on the short side, just looked like a harmless shot to the blocker side, gets in, and that kind of opens up the floodgates from there. You know, and then St. Louis went to work on the power play. That was the story of the series by and large, right? I mean, we talked about goaltending this, goaltending that. Are they going to play Marc-Andre Fleury? Are they going to play Cam Talbot? They went with Fleury for the first five games, switched to Talbot in game six. You know what? Maybe a better performance by a goalie here or there might have impacted the series, but by and large, this wasn't about the goaltending. This was about they just did not have an answer for St. Louis, and they certainly did not have an answer for St. Louis on special teams. St. Louis had two power play goals on six chances on um, on Thursday night. Wild was zero for five for the series. St. Louis had eight power play goals. The Wild had four. And I think the chances were pretty similar, like 26 power plays for St. Louis, 24 for the Wild. So you can't say, well, St. Louis got way more chances. The chances were pretty even. It's just that St. Louis came in with a top five power play and a top five penalty kill. The Wild came in with bottom half of the league averages in both those categories. And it showed in this series, you've got to be better on special teams in the playoffs. And the Wild just weren't. That was the probably the biggest deficiency in the way they were constructed this season as they never were able to figure that out and they weren't able to address that really at the trade deadline but you know you would think that they would improve internally right um, and that's maybe a little bit of coaching because you know they would have some fits and starts they would get better on the power play get better on the penalty kill but a team that was so good five on five that had so much skill 
um, you know, on fi- in five-on-five play that dominated six-on-five play in those desperation settings could not find a consistent power play this season and certainly could not find a consistent penalty kill either. That was frustrating that they never got better at that as the year went on and that it just became this thing where they you know where where they 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 didn't they weren't able to 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 make that a a a strength of this team and that bit them in the playoffs 8 to 4 in special teams goals uh that that told a lot of the story um you know frustrating that Jordan Bennington who had lost 9 straight playoff games came in in game 4 and won 3 games in a row against them totally turned that series around um you know you can say better team won you can say you know, still a great season. I think all of those things maybe can be true. I think St. Louis and the Wild were very evenly matched. A tough matchup for the Wild. We knew that coming in. St. Louis has had their number for a variety of different reasons, but that doesn't change the fact that this is a frustrating outcome. I'd say this is a more frustrating outcome than the Wolves losing in six to Memphis. The Wolves, you know, for all of those blown leads, I think the Wolves showed up in the playoffs to a larger degree than the Wild did. I know they both lost in six, but the Wolves had much lower expectations than the Wild did. I think the Wolves going into the season, you know, getting to the playoffs was a pretty significant goal. And for them to be competitive in that series uh, was a was a, was a a step forward. For the Wild, this was not a step forward. They actually made it one game uh, less than they did last year when they went seven games. This team was absolutely built for a playoff run, and they came up very, very short. So where do they go from here? A lot of off-season questions. Kevin Fiala is going to be the big one. He was a complete no-show in this series. No goals, tons of penalties, just you know, an embodiment of what was going wrong for this team. Just no secondary scoring. Kirill Kaprizov, seven of their 16 goals in this series. That just cannot happen. They can't have that going forward. So what do they do? The cap's going to hit them hard in future years. We've talked about that. Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi buyouts hitting the books hard. That makes you wonder, like, how far can this team go going forward? Even they're going to have to rely on a lot of their young players, and there is a pipeline coming up, but how good can they be? Who are they going to keep? Who are they going to, you know, get rid of when essentially 12 to $13 million of their cap is tied up in dead money? So that's part of what makes this so disappointing, is you could see how good this team looked like it was on paper, and you could see the trouble that was coming down the road. And in both cases, now that the season's over, there is a reckoning that is going to happen. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Not to hammer on the negative, but before we get to Malika Andrews, um, Twins, 21-3, to outscored by the Astros in that three-game series. That's, you know, Patrick Royce was on Monday's show, and I believe he wrote a column for Friday's paper. It's online, startribune.com. Just basically saying, we are going to learn a lot about the Twins. Before you get too excited about this 18-11 start, look at who they've been playing. Look at some of the margins and stuff like that. This is not a team that's going to be able to compete with the Houston Astros, even though they came in with the same record, and he was absolutely correct. When you get outscored 21-3, to it tells you a lot, and I know they're missing some regulars. I know they've got some injuries right now, but that is a concern. If they're not able to even compete on the same field with a team like Houston, 
you know, I think they can still be competitive in the AL Central. What is that ultimately going to mean for any of their playoff prospects or deeper aspirations? I don't know. Just one series, just a few games. Maybe they throw it out and they start playing well again. Um, they got Cleveland this weekend. They've, they've got a bunch of easier games after that, so maybe they can get well again. But the way they played against Houston is a big concern, and we will be watching that going forward. All right. Happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today on ESPN. I'm sure you have seen her more than once, probably more than twice here, especially lately. We are right in the middle of the playoffs. Uh, Malika, how are you? I am good. I am just, I I have my TV on. I have my sling up. I'm watching game six of Miami Philly. Not going so hot for Philly thus far, but I, you know, this is the best time of year. How are you, Michael? I am good. I've been enjoying the playoffs. I do, I want to talk, I want to get to a couple of the Friday games because I think those series are pretty interesting. And unfortunately, the Thursday games will be a little bit out of date by the time we post this. But I also wanted to touch on, you know, for the local folks here, you know, taking a step back at just looking at the Timberwolves season, you know, obviously making the playoffs for the first time in four years, second time in 18 years. So it's a low bar for success here. That said, I'm always curious, kind of from a national perspective, what did you see? What did your colleagues see from this team? What, what was the narrative that, that you saw from a, you know, from a little bit of a further distance as you covered the whole league? Yeah. You know, I think the Timberwolves took a step forward, a big step forward this year. And I don't know that it's about how high or low the expectations were and out kicking that. I think because Carl Anthony Towns has, has been on that team, has been there so long, has been an all-star before, um, the expectations for the Timberwolves to do something around him or figure out if that marriage is going to continue to work, I think has kind of always been there over the last couple of years. And for me, and watching the Timberwolves, two things or two players rather kind of emerged out of this year. And that's Anthony Edwards as just such a clear future star in this league. And, and for me, I'm kind of of the um, – I'm of the stingy superstar opinion. I think that there, there, there can't, you can't have a hundred guys in this league that are superstars because I believe that the term superstar, it's not just play on the court. It's play, it's ability to put butts in seats. It's casual fan interest. I think that that is sort of what compels me to absolutely unequivocally stamp somebody a superstar. Not that I'm the gatekeeper of the superstars. um, But when we look at, We know people like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. It doesn't matter how big of a basketball fan you are. Folks who barely know about the game know about players like that. And so watching not only Anthony Edwards and and frankly, John Moran, I see them kind of mirroring each other's paths here, play on the court, the exciting high-flying dunks, the athleticism, um, the IQ, plus the off the court, the funny, the, the, the engaging, the want to get to know type of guy, Anthony Edwards this season to me just absolutely took that next step towards being that multiple prong superstar that we see on and off the court. Um, and I think that Carl Anthony Towns and him, their partnership over the course of the year, that was something that was encouraging to see. 
And my goodness, that Pat Bev moment. I I, I just think that the, the character, the personality, the thing about the Timberwolves, it's not that, you know, oh, the expectations are low because, you know, they haven't won. It's, well, who's there? What's exciting? Why do we want to watch? Those Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Patrick Beverly are three reasons on and off the court now. People want to watch the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so I see them although they're a little older than the Grizzlies in a similar vein in, ter- in terms of the fun and the electricity that's emanating from Minneapolis right now. You had, did you have both Ant and Pat Bev on with you wow. during the playoffs? They, I feel like there was some memorable moments there. <laughs> Just the, the, the characters that both of them are. I mean, Anthony Edwards, like you said, emerging player, can't even, they can't even have a beer legally yet. He's 20 years old. Okay. You know, Patrick Beverly's, you know, chugging him on the podium, getting his, his own Bud Light, uh, Bud Light can, but you know, just Ant, Anthony Edwards, his, his kind of comedic timing to me is very yeah. interesting because he, he almost is like, he's like a natural actor, but he's not acting. Right. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, he is acting in the new Adam Sandler movie. So we right. have to we check his acting there, but um, I mean, he's so quick. I remember when he came on the show and I asked him, you know, Kendrick Perkins has been repping the dark side all year long. Do you have a message for Perk? And he thought for like half a second and then said, carry on. And just the the ability to take Kendrick's own catchphrase, throw it back at him. I don't think he practiced that or thought like it's just the the real moments that he comes out with. It's 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 just so genuine. And I think that's why people connect with him. You know, I've said this a couple of times over the last few days, but I loved what Draymond said recently about, I walk into every room as myself and, and Ant certainly walks into every room as himself. And I think that's, what's refreshing to people. I think you said it's something interesting a little while ago about how you are stingy and giving out that superstar label. And I think sometimes we tend to equate max contract with superstar or a star player and right. the Wolves have two max guys right now. I think you'd put Carl Anthony Towns in that star category. He's likely, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's a, he's an NBA, all NBA caliber player, had a very good season. I D'Angelo Russell. Yep. D'Angelo Russell is the other one. And he is an mm-hmm. interesting offseason question because he has one year left on his contract. This is the, yep. this is the time where you'd extend somebody. Certainly a big part of their regular season success did not have a good series against Memphis. That's recency bias. It's, it's short series. It's everything like that. But how do you see his fit with, with this team? Well, there's so many layers there too, right? Because if the partnership, if Carl Anthony Towns has Carl, Carl Anthony Towns has repped Minneapolis when no one else was. And so there needs to be an understanding from, from ownership that, that Carl Anthony Towns does that and did that for this franchise. Um, and still, even in games where, you know, maybe he wasn't, his his closing was an issue over the, he, he's still such a unique big man in this game that he can reliably shoot the three ball. Um, him and D'Angelo Russell are, are incredibly close, right? So that's not number one thing on the list, but it's certainly something, this is not a decision that can be made in a vacuum. It's a decision that you need to consult your star player and have some sort of understanding, however it is you choose to move forward. You know, I kind of see, obviously, Andrew Wiggins was there. We've seen a completely different Andrew Wiggins in Golden State. Um I saw a resurgence in D'Angelo Russell um, 
during the regular season that didn't translate to the playoffs, but it seems like the system that uh, Chris Finch is putting in place, like there's a place for him within that system. It's about if he can continue to show up and be reliable and, and what other piece do you need in order to get there? Can it be D'Angelo Cat? Uh, and Aunt Edwards, or is there another piece? They have so many talented bigs. Nas Reed, I love watching him play. Um, it, where is your volume scoring? Do you need? You need? Do, where is your your? Do you need an, a defender anchor, or do you need another seventeen point per game? So that's the decision that they're going to need to make. And I think that that's kind of what it comes down to with D'Angelo Russell. But it's again, it's not a decision that can be made in a vacuum. I don't think, especially with cat at the helm of this franchise we saw them blow three double digit leads in the fourth quarter the playoffs are hard it's just it's a they experience. hadn't been there what yeah. what's that sorry experience matters you said it experience matters in the playoffs uh pat bev said it today uh to me he said um it's about you have to have the heart of a champion like that's why he believes in the golden state warriors even though they're struggling right now and don't look like the golden state warriors that that we saw i'm not even talking about kevin durant like just the the rest right that focus in their eyes um he you know he having been there matters um and you know the the Grizzlies hadn't been there, but they're a great fourth quarter team. And, you know, you can't, you can't relax. You can't let your foot off the gas. You talked about the Grizzlies and the Warriors um, in separate breaths here just a moment ago. So let's transition to that series, which has been fascinating. I mean, just some, some yeah. close games and then the blowout the other night, game six feels like it's got I mean, a lot any, any game six is going to have a lot riding on it, but you know, Golden State with a chance to close them out at home, but Memphis carrying a lot of confidence in, you know, after that, after what they did in, in game, in game five, you know, as you think about this series, I mean, it, it could easily be three, two the other way right now, just with the way it's gone. And I, I couldn't tell you who's going to win game six. I, I couldn't tell you either. I mean, I, I think that Zach Lowe hit the nail on the head when he said it makes him nervous when teams who have home court advantage say or have a home court for game six for the, their whatever that they say, because um, obviously the Grizzlies are the higher seed, but they say, I'm you know kind of going to punt game five and then win it at home because you just never know if that you, you, you can't be cute with with placement and seeding and wins and losses because you never know when it's going to snowball and if this goes to 7 literally anything can happen. So I'm of the belief of or nothing other than a tingly feeling that after being blown out in Minneapolis or excuse me in in Memphis Golden State's going to have to come back and have some sort of answer because there's no way they can go home and be okay with that. They they care. They care way too much. I mean, I don't need to be the person to say this. They don't need to hear it from me. Um, it's hard for me to see them coming out and just having a bad, awful, throwaway game the way that they did. I would believe they will come out with a vengeance. But if this goes to seven, all bets are off. Yeah. I mean, all bets are off. <laughs> Selfishly, I want that, but I did. I at the start of the playoffs, I think I picked Warriors over Bucks. Um, had a couple of things, both three seeds, which you know, it just kind of goes to show that kind of speaks to the nature of the playoffs this year. I felt like seven or eight teams at the beginning of this could were legitimate, you know, title contenders. And I don't think we say that 
every year. That said, I'm starting to come around to the idea that the winner of Bucks Celtics might end up being the might end up being the NBA champion. But I again, I don't know. That's just a feeling I've gotten watching that series. Both those teams are awfully locked in right now. It's hard for me to see. I, I it's hard for me to see the winner of that Bucks Celtics series not be the the team that represents the East and the Heat. I mean the heat are so tough and they are so talented. Um, and I know Jimmy, you know, has that flavor from the bubble still of, of getting there and not be having, not having quite enough, frankly. Um, the Milwaukee bucks, you know, I think a lot of it, when can Chris Middleton come back and be available because so many of those games, I mean, the, 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 this that's another series that could easily be three two the other way. You know, if a a, a tip in didn't go in a, 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 a just a smidge late, um, you know, we had two huge a huge Celtics win, a huge Bucks win, and then games three and four and 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 five here have been incredibly close. And so it's sort of like it could go up either way. I I do think the Bucks. Giannis is not to be questioned. He's a two-time MVP. He's a finals MVP. But having Chris Middleton out there makes it so much easier for Giannis to Giannis. So when and what percentage of Chris Middleton can they get back is going to be huge for them. Not that they can't do it without Chris, but that requires more offensive production from Drew Holiday, reliably being able to count on Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen to chip in a sizable portion 12, 15 points a game, Pat Connaughton, that type of person, you're missing a 20 point per game score. So where's that going to come from, particularly in the non Giannis minute so that he isn't quite so tired to close games. He played for over 42 minutes in game six, of the finals, the man can do anything. He's called the freak for a reason. I'm actually a little bit, I'm going to be watching that game on my, on my sling app because I'm on the sidelines for golden state. Um, the game six, so I'll be in San Francisco for that one. Um, but man, like that, that game deserves, it deserves, it deserves the big screen. It deserves the big screen. It's going to be great. And I know you have the partnership with Sling. Are you ever, you know, there's so many different ways people can consume yeah. your content. You can consume other people's content. Is it, I, I mean, we're kind of living in the golden age of sports. It's a little fragmented, but it, it is kind of like, I don't feel like I can never watch a game anymore, whatever platform I'm using. It's kind of beautifully fragmented in a way. And I think that, yes, of course, some of that is out of necessity. But uh, what I find, especially especially in the regular season, um, there's just so many games per night. Now, sort of, there's there's two a night, you know, one a night, you know where you're going, you know what you need to watch. Um, but I, I find now the feedback channel between, like, Twitter is so big in the NBA, right? And the feedback channel between you see something on Twitter and maybe you want to turn on a game or you are watching a game and you want to join the conversation. Um, for me, I think that having that, that sort of feedback and back and forth, that's been, that's been largely good, I think, for the game. And it's, it's just with, with my travel schedule. I mean, it's like, I sometimes, I don't know which way is up and which way is down. And so having somewhere that I can easily, when I see that tweet, when I see, because how much does it suck when you see like, oh my God, did everyone see that John Morant dunk? <laughs> right. Did you see what Anthony Edwards just did? And you're like, 
No, because I'm sitting in the airport and these folks in the, in the lounge have this random cricket game on now pull out my app sling, boom, game, boom, done. Yeah. I saw the replay. I got it. And then I joined the conversation. So like that for me is I watch entirely too many games on my phone. It's, I mean, it's, it's not, but I think that that's, you know, I'm 27. I think that a lot of people of, of my age demographic, they do too. They are consuming um, more and more in non-linear ways. And, and that's sort of why I need a non-linear partner like Sling. It's like, okay, how can I go back and rewind and miss and da, 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 because that's, we live in the age of replays. Like that's, that's what we do. We sit and we watch all the replays all day and then go on NBA today and react to it. So I mean, man, there's just so many ways to to get games now. You are younger than I am. I'm 45, but you're not that much older, maybe five or six years, years older than a lot of the students I teach at the University of Minnesota. And, you know, your career path has been a, a rocket launch upward, but I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, steps along the way. And you know, I guess the, the short question to this is, how did you get to where you are so fast? I blinked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I think for me, I never had a, I'm going to do X and Y and then Z and have a five-year plan. And by the time I'm 30, like that was never, um, I fell in love with writing and I fell in love with reporting and I don't like to be bad at things. I'm a little bit competitive. Um, (laughs) And so I sort of joined my school newspaper the opening that they had was in sports. And subsequently just like, I just, I wanted to get better at it. I just, I wanted to write more and do more and write harder stories. And, um, you know, doors kind of kept opening within sports, um, because that's where my, my clips were. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I came to ESPN from newspapers. I, I worked at the New York times. I worked at the Chicago tribune and I didn't come to ESPN under some sort of the ultimate goal is television, um, type of mentality. I, I just wanted to, frankly, go somewhere a little bit. Newspapers, they're hard, um, especially um, at the time, the the ownership turnover at the Chicago Tribune was a lot to um, process. And that's one of the great things about the stars. Like I remember us like watching what was happening back in, in 2017, 2016, and the resources that some local papers were getting and then others weren't. And so that volatility was a lot. Um, sure. So when ESPN reached out, it felt like a a good conversation to have, but I came over like fully as a writer. Like that was like, even in my like thing now, if you go to email me, it says like writer for ESPN, like it hasn't (laughs) changed television host or anything like that. Is that still how Um, you see yourself, even though you're a host now? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, I was actually having a conversation with a student earlier today. I try very hard to answer all the emails. I'm not perfect, but, um, they said, like, how did you, how did you go from being a reporter to a host? And I was like, I, you know, I still think of myself as a reporter, I guess, because one, because I still get to, you know, I still get to do interviews and um, I get to be a sideline reporter and it's literally in the title. Um, but also like my, my job is to ask 
questions to people who've played the game, to people who are currently playing the game, to people who are experts on the game, to doctors, to physicians, to commissioners. Like that's my job. My job is the questions. Um, you know, people ask me why I don't vote in MVP, that kind of, because I still think of myself as somebody who um, is a reporter and how can I honestly go up to a player and I didn't vote you on the all NBA team. And that's, yeah. that's, that's not something my colleagues asked for, by the way, that's something the NBA decided on. I think that, you know, me reporters, media do a wonderful job. It's a thankless, hard freaking job to do. Um, but because my job is to question players, like I, I feel that I still need that sort of separation, I, I guess. And, um, so yeah, I do still think of myself that way. I go in early to write the show. Um, I don't write the whole thing. I have a ton of help, but I, I, I do think of myself as a writer. I think as a woman, it gave me some sort of um, different type of credibility that I felt that I needed, especially as a young, as 21 year old walking into locker rooms um, when I had a notebook and I could wear, you know, jeans and a sweater, I felt like I kind of could protect myself in a way and build myself up before it was my face that's out there for people to judge. It was my words and people didn't see that. And so that kind of, it felt like a, uh, an armor, an armor of information, if you will. And I still, when I give advice to younger people, it's be about the information. Don't be about being the best or the smoothest on TV or the perfect catchphrases or delivery, because there's frankly going to always be someone who's smoother than you and better than you on television, but there might not be someone who has better information than you. So if you focus on being the informer, there's always a place for the informer. Um, there's always going to be someone who's smoother or prettier or more handsome or more TV than you. Um, but that's kind of how I let it all guide me, I guess, if that makes any sense. I don't even know, but it absolutely yeah. makes sense. I, I love that answer. And it just, it goes to show, you know, there's people grow into roles in, in different ways, but knowledge, reporting, you know, whatever information that's, you know, that's, that's the key to our industry still. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's the, you know, that's the, the bottom line to all that. Um, Malika, really enjoying this conversation. I want to let you go watch some games. So final thought for you, this might be kind of an awkward transition from all the substantive things right. you just said, but you are tuned into NBA fashion a little bit more than I am. I think that goes without saying. Um, you know, the celebrity of NBA has always intrigued me. Just, you know, just the thought of, you know, there's the courtside element. There's, you know, you can see everybody's faces. Like you, it's a, it's a, it's the yeah. cool sport, right? So so there's that. And now we get all the, you know, social media is buzzing with, you know, the, the players walking in, what are they wearing, stuff like that. Like, as you think about just that, how do you, how do you feel like that is, even though it's not really like an important part of the league, it kind of feels like it is like this, this, the, the, the fashion yeah. of the league. Well, I mean, uh, first it's fun. Yeah. Like that's kind of like full stop when, when, you know, James Harden walks in wearing like a stuffed animal sewn to his shirt. And you know, that shirt costs as much as some people's mortgages. Like the, it's, it's like, it's kind of like fun and, and gaudy and huh. And, and I think that that people um, latch on to that. But I also think like in a, maybe a more serious tone, the NBA is unlike other, other sports leagues that are team driven. People are fans of teams. The NBA is driven by stars. Um, and the more people feel like they know people, 
the more people feel like they know players, um, their personality, their fashion, their humor, like that goes back to that superstar conversation we were having. Like mm-hmm. people root for that, people connect to that. People want to see the stars star. Um, and like that little walk in the fashion, whether it's like making fun of Kyle Kuzma's enormous pink <laughs> sweater or whether it's saying like, oh gosh, like Garrett Temple always has the best suits and, you know, his, 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 his partner, Kara, like they always look amazing. And like, that's not, that's not something that's necessarily attainable, but I'm for me, but I'm enjoying like looking at it. I think that that sort of, that's what bands, that's what makes the, this, you know, it's bigger bigger than basketball. Oh, but like it is like, that's, <laughs> that's, you mean. that's yeah. sort of where it, you know, I think it's, I think that's where it comes from. I think it comes from people. They, you want to see the whole experience, like the entire experience. And that's part of the NBA experience is like, you know, and then sometimes like, you know, Anthony Davis showed up to his last game in New Orleans wearing a shirt that says that's all, you know, the, that's all. <laughs> right. So like, all of that stuff, play the, the all black to the funeral, like all that stuff is like, people love that. That's what makes this fun. That's what makes the stars stars. It does. It's a lot of fun. I think the rest of the playoffs are going to be fantastic. They've already been really, really good. I enjoyed getting to know you more, Malika. Thank you so much for taking some time. Go enjoy the rest of these games. Catch your breath because it's, uh, it's going to be a long, uh, a long next month or so. Off we go again. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Great conversation with Malika Anders. Hope she enjoyed the Thursday NBA games. Heat closing out the 76ers. Sounded like they were about to do that as our conversation was ending. Some big games tonight. She will be all over it, I'm sure. Uh, Does a terrific job on NBA Today and working the sidelines at those games. So, Enjoyed that conversation and hope you did as well. Let's finish rapid fire with a bunch of stories in the cooler. Vikings opening the season against the Packers. NFL schedule came out. Hard to see a loss at this time of the year, isn't it? Okay, maybe not. Vikings-Packers opening weekend. That should be a blast. Vikings against the uh, Patriots on Thanksgiving. That will be interesting as well. We knew all the opponents already. We knew home and away. It's just the order of things now. Maybe we'll get into the details of that a little bit more next week when we've got a little bit more time. Lynx, buy out Angel McCautry and uh, and get rid of Odyssey Sims. McCautry, one of their big free agent signings coming into the season just a parting of ways. She got benched in the second half the other day, and now she is gone. Odyssey Sims was here for like two games, more of a pit stop than an Odyssey, if you ask me in that case. But uh, yeah, I don't know what's up with this roster right now. It's definitely a roster in turmoil, a roster in flux. Maybe they're turning it over to some youth, some players who play the way that Cheryl Reeve wants to play. I don't know. It's very interesting to see where they are at right now because that is, uh, you know, I think a few people joked even on Twitter that, you know, usually when the when the when the teams like the Wild and the Wolves end, you can quickly turn the page and say, well, at least we've got the Lynx. Lynx are 0-3 right now, and the Lynx are not looking like they're going to be a good team this year at all. So maybe that is not the uh, not the boon we thought it once was. And for the only bit of good news in this whole sporting market, Minnesota United beat Colorado 2-1, resuming that U.S. Open Cup match, Emmanuel Reynoso with a big goal late to give them that win. So good for the Loons. 
yeah, like I said, finally end, ending with a little bit of good news, but it was not a good day by and large Thursday for Minnesota sports. That will do it for me here today as well. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed all the shows all week. Plenty to get to next week. Some of these things we can get to in a little bit more detail because so much happened on Thursday. Be back at it again on Monday. I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy the weekend.